Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Breaking the Lines is Road to Qatar, your one-stop podcast for everything on the Qatar World Cup FIFA 2022. Today, we're going to the to the shores of Western Europe and taking a look at the former champions and everyone's semi-favorite uh, 21st century team, the Spanish national team. You know, decked in gold and glory, the Spaniards have seen their fair share of struggles in the last few tournaments. This year might spell something different for Luis Enrique's men. And we're joined here today by uh, Madrid-based journalist Alan Fahile. Alan is the editor of Football España. You can catch him writing about the Spanish national team, as well as everything to do with the La Liga. Great to have you here, Alan. How are you doing today? Very good. Um, it's a bit of a cloudy day here in Madrid, a bit of a respite from the heat. Um, La Liga has just begun this weekend, obviously, so very busy, but enjoying the respite from the heat and looking forward already to the Star World Cup. Um, I think Luis Enrique's Spanish national team can go very far, so yeah, all good. Great to hear that uh, something in Spain is going right. You know, along with the heat, we all also have this ball of a cloud hanging over the La Liga with all these various uh, financial deals, CVC, Barcelona's famed levers. Uh, it's all quite uh, quite cloudy before the start of the La Liga, but with the Spanish national team, the story is a little different. Um, now, just uh, you know, on a larger scale, Alan, um, do you feel like this Spanish national team has a different character to um, the years past now? We've obviously known about Vincente Del Bosque's team and what they won and how the inability to depart from that winning formula cost Spain a bit dearly in the past. Um, do you feel that this current crop have that more of a winning mentality within them? I know there are only a select few players who've actually won gold with Spain who are still playing with the team right now. But in terms of a character and in terms of a national spirit, um, do you really see the Spanish team as being, you know, different from the one that um, appeared in the World Cup before? Yeah, I think the difference between um, this iteration of the Spanish national team and the iteration of, say, 2008-2012 and the iteration between, say, 2014 to 2018 is primarily Luis Enrique because I think he's probably the best coach working in international football right now won the Champions League in 2015 with Barcelona, obviously. Uh, I think maybe only Roberto Mancini is in a similar par with him in terms of other coaches working in international football. And of course, Italy will go into the World Cup. Uh, also, I think this team is different because whereas between 2008 and 2012, you had genuine world-class players of the ilk of, you know, Jared Pique, Sergio Ramos, Iker Casillas, uh, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, and, you know, the, these kind of real world-class footballers and then in the period afterwards, you had players like, you know, Thiago Alcantara, David De Gea, um, and the like, were kind of expected to step up and take over the mantle, Isco Alcarcon as well. And um, from those world-class players, they didn't succeed. Whereas now you players who aren't quite at that level in terms of recognizability, in terms of caliber, in terms of uh, pedigree, but what they are are very good footballers. And there's a nice mix of experience, you know, the likes of Inigo Martinez, uh, Jordi Alba, uh, Cesar Azpilicueta combined with, you know, really promising youngsters like Anzu Fati, um, you know, Pedri, uh, Gavi as well. 
so there's a nice balance there and there's also very little egos there because everyone is working in conjunction with each other and they're all working under Luis Enrique's commands. Um, unlike previous iterations of the national team where the characters of the team are the players, in this situation it's very much Luis Enrique's team. For that reason, everyone is working in quite good harmony and um, I think their biggest strength isn't any individual player, isn't any clear quality, it's more a kind of willingness to work together, humility and a cohesiveness that probably isn't replicable in any other national team going to the World Cup, right? Yeah, it's uh, largely the the whole is bigger than the sum of all parts. And you made a very interesting point um, about, you know, not having one, you know, marquee figure uh, contributing. And, you know, that sort of brings me to this fascinating Group B qualification run that they had because when you look at the talent that Spain has decked out, you know, they, they are still incredible players. And Torres, Sarabia, Gaia, um, you know, Busquets filling in if he needs to, uh, Danny Olmo, um, Alvaro Morata, all of these players. And you have this sort of interesting situation where the first game of the qualifying um, tournament, they drew with Greece 1-1. They um, just about uh, beat Georgia and come from behind victory uh, 2-1 in the next match day before hammering Kosovo and then getting chastised and beaten by Sweden 2-1. Now at this stage, um, just to remind the viewers, this is September 2021. Uh, Spain have one two sort of... Um, sort of uh, unconvincingly drawn one and lost one. Um, after this, they sort of turned on the afterburners, beat Georgia 4-0, beat Kosovo 2-0, um, and also managed a 1-0 win over Greece. But they needed the final day victory versus Sweden to qualify outright as top of uh, their group. And that did come courtesy a Alvaro Morata goal in the 86th minute. So. You know what I've what I've seen from this, um, Alan is you've had players, you know, called from all corners. Now it's it's not unlikely to see Spanish players playing in other leagues, um, you know, doing well for the Spanish national team. But um, there seems to be a bit more of a mixed flavor with Luis Enrique. You know, you've seen the likes of uh, uh, Pablo Fornals, um, as well as you know the likes of Alvaro Morata, who are playing trade at Juventus. Um, Tell me a bit about, you know, this qualifying run and did the initial run scare you? Uh, because Spain obviously did need to win um, on the last day. Sweden, you know, really took them um, to the sword. Um, obviously, they uh, fluffed the lines themselves. But was there a moment of worry for you during this qualification period? Um, no, because I think it came off the back of, you know, the Nations League campaign where they got to the final four. Um, and, you know, quite impressively made it to the, the final, only to lose very narrowly to um, France after beating Italy in San Siro. Then, of course, in Euro 2021, uh, or Euro 2020, as they refer to it, um, Spain got to the semi-final um, and lost to Italy, the eventual winners, despite, you know, giving them a very, very good game at Wembley Stadium. So there was, you know, enthusiasm on the Spanish national team. They were clearly progressing in the right direction. And its biggest flaw really is the inability to score goals. I mean, if you look at the phases of play, um, defensively, they're quite strong. In midfield, they're very strong. 
and they can dominate games and run games unlike many other national teams but they do lack that clear attacking elite attacking option they don't have a Fernando Torres they don't have a David Villa for instance like so they have been reliant on you know many different people contributing goals Ferran Torres Pablo Sarabia Morata as well Mikhail Oyarzabal uh, Danny Olmo uh, just to name a few um, and you big you bring a very interesting point um and that sort of makes me want to come to you know a player who's spent most of his life either being maligned or being um referred to as a uh sports washing uh not sports washing but uh, <laughs> a money laundering prospect and uh, you know what i'm coming to is alvaro morata now during the last euros there were you know several questions raised about um, Enrique's faith in Morata during the group stages he just wasn't performing but when push came to shove especially during the knockout stages he scored some crucial goals he scored some really good looking goals and there's always been this cloud around can Morata be the man that everybody probably expected him to be at this point because as a supporting forward you know during his time at Atletico Juventus um, and even Real Madrid he's been a fantastic supporting figure but when it's come time for him to lead the attack there seems to be something quite unconvincing that you can't rely on um so just give me an insight on you know alvaro morata's chances to possibly you know in the side and you know take it further because he did miss the last world cup and i think it's important to know that you know since then maybe not that much has changed in his career but because of the profligacy of you know other attackers you know maybe Sarabia maybe Olmo maybe Raul de Tomas as well um where do you see uh, the Alvaro Morata you know question here does he start does he come in is there a way that Luis Enrique can play him on the wing um or are there already other good options there no he will start i mean if you follow the Spanish national team at all over the last few years you know how much Luis Enrique likes him he said in the past that for him, the team sheet is Alvaro plus 10 others, basically. I mean, he's a really key player for him. Um, and Murata is a very confident player, too. So he's a player who needs to be loved. He needs to be respected. He needs to be valued. Luis Enrique does that. He values him. He likes what he, likes what he brings to the team. Like, I was at a lot of those games in the Euros, especially the ones in Seville, because I was living there at the time. And I think what was evident was that while he wasn't scoring goals, he was offering a lot to the team. He's a very good reference point the line he's not a world-class footballer but he's a very good footballer and he's the best option that Spain have in that number nine position because nobody comes close well Thomas isn't on the same level as him in my opinion so this season with Alvaro back at Atletico after you know spending the last two years at Juventus he's been playing in pre-season leading the line with Joao Felix and Antoine Griezmann behind him kept an interesting front three um so I think that you know the tension is there for him to have a good season with Atletico, score more goals, being a home in La Liga as well. Um, and then eventually, you know, going to the World Cup with the Smash National team. I've no doubt that he will. He'll start. He'll be the number nine, the main man going forward, leading the line. And I think he could be valuable, you know. I mean, he is what he is. He's not a world-class footballer. He's not one of the best strikers in the world, but Spain don't have anyone better than them. So for that reason, he will be there for sure. And it's a very, very pertinent point you bring up about Luis Enrique's faith and being a confidence player because I can't think of another position on the football field which relies so much on confidence than the centre-forward position. And you know, it can be argued that no one's probably had more faith in Morata 
than Luis Enrique of all the managers he's had. And he's had he's had quite the list of great managers he's played under. Um, but you know, having that clear faith is always a great thing. And that sort of um, you know, comes back to Another question I had about, uh, you had mentioned a lot about, you know, the younger core that's burgeoning at, um, you know, clubs like Barcelona, um, as well as the Spanish national team. And <clears throat> this is nothing new. We saw it um, in the 2010 World Cup. We saw in the 2008 Euros as the um, uh, crop of Barcelona youngsters really made their mark on the Spanish national team. And, you know, a lot of people are interested in, you know, the likes of Gavi or the likes of Ansu Fati. Um, you know, give me give me an idea or give uh, us, the listeners, an idea of uh, Gavi in particular. I remember when he was making his debut for the Spanish national team, he had probably just on the cusp of turning 18 and um, everybody thought this was nepotism for Luis Enrique's time at Barcelona. He wasn't ready. There were other options. But Gavi came onto the pitch and played like he had owned that midfield spot for years and years and years. Um, <clears throat> so just coming back to it, and, you know, there are other options uh, like uh, Rodri, um, maybe even Thiago, if he does make a return to the team. But um, do you see Gavi as someone who will have a, you know, a influential role to play for this Spanish uh, young core? Because every young core needs a sort of leader that will, you know, be a representative for them on the field. Maybe not, you know, vocally, but someone who can be, you know, the torchbearer of the younger generation in the team. Do you see Gavi as being that kind of player? And do you feel that um, he's a player who's going to really make an impact? Oh. Oh, my. That, 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 that drives my point even further. Than <laughs> well, first of all, and Gabby only turned 18 last week. He was actually just turned 17 when he made his debut for Spain last year against Italy. Which is quite remarkable. Yeah, he's actually, you know, he's remarkable. And you're right, I remember that game against Italy at San Siro, the semi-final of the Nations League, Final Four. And he was marking Marco Verratti, who was his idol growing up. And he, you know, was physical. He was nipping at his heels. He was incredible. And you're right, his presence in that team goes to underline the fact that Luis Enrique doesn't pick players based on their pedigree. He doesn't give call-ups out of, you know, congratulations. He does it to help the team. And he saw Gavi in his profile and his character as somebody who could benefit the team greatly. And obviously, having been at Barcelona in the past and having a lot of connections at Barcelona, he had heard about Gavi for years. So even though it was an unusual selection, it was a, a very clear one for, for Luis Enrique. And he's never afraid to make those decisions at all. Regarding... The young boy, is he the leader? I would say no, it's Pedri, because Pedri is on another level completely. Um, Gavi is somebody with the quality to become a world-class footballer for sure. Really, really good player, really exciting player. But he is still very young. Um, Pedri is 19. He's already one of the best midfielders in the world, in my opinion. So if you look at that, you know, three-pronged kind of, you know, jewels in that team, in that Spanish team and also the Barcelona team, Gavi, Pedri and Anzio Fati. Fatih has been plagued by injuries since he broke through, unfortunately. The last two seasons, which should have been his two breakthrough seasons, have been interrupted by so many different injuries. So it's very difficult for anybody, whether it's Barcelona or the Spanish national team, to rely on him in the course of a 12-month period because we just don't know if his body will hold up yet. and We don't know how his injuries have affected his, 
is quality in front of goal. But the likes of Gavi um, is going to be very important for sure. He's going to be a starter, in my opinion, for both Barcelona this season, also for the Spanish national team. But I think that Pedri is on another level completely. I think this guy is remarkable in terms of his mentality, his quality, his consistency, maturity, the influence he has in the team. I genuinely think that he's going to be one of the best midfielders in the world for the next day. Oh, wow. Um, that I, I won't even say that's overstating it because the every time you know either um, either Ansofati, Gavi, or even Pedri are on the field, you know that these guys mean business. They're not here to you know um, fill in these youngster records. They're here to be members of the Spanish national team, and that's that's the point they want to drive home. And you know, I I can't help but look at all of the star power that's there in Spain. You know, there are a lot of players I like who don't even get much uh, time with the national team. And I know this has been a very recurring trend. You know, you have the likes of Ander Herrera, you have the likes of Mikel Arteta, you know, great players in their own right who seldom got a chance for Spain just because of the sheer wealth of talent that, that was there. And I sort of see it, you know, coalescing again here. You have the likes of um, even uh, players like... Um, Napoli, currently Napoli, maybe PSG's um, in the next week, Fabian Ruiz, um, you know, playing a, being a very important player, but, you know, maybe could um, uh, play for the Spanish national team. There was also uh, Lazio's uh, Luis Alberto, who barely got a chance. Uh, you know, then there are your fringe players like uh, Pablo Fernals, Brahim Diaz, um, in, in, in a sense of a way, Sergio Canales. And, you know, the competition for spaces is so hard because the you know final roster correct me if i'm wrong will be about 24 players um i'm not entirely certain on that but you know, picking picking 24 players is going to be it's 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 going to be a headache for enrique but um i think both of us do have the confidence that he will make the right decision and even if there are any you know notable exclusions like there are with any talented setup um they're largely justified I think Enrique gets the benefit of the doubt from critics and fans alike for the choices he makes because, I mean, we saw with the last um, UEFA Euro tournament, um, Spain making it to the semifinal, them playing like not the Spain of old, but having the aura of the Spain of old. You know, the team that can be decisive, get the results when needed and still play, you know, a brand of attractive football. Um, and Alan, that sort of brings me to... Um, you know, the uh, the World Cup as a whole um, and the group that um, Spain will be a part of. Um, and I think, I believe it's going to be uh, Group E. Spain has Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan. And this is the one I'm most excited for. I don't know about you, Alan, but this is going to be fun fun group uh, but just on the offset um you know are you excited by ha- spain having to face this caliber of teams this early on yeah definitely i think that could be a very good test i mean germany are always difficult um opponents no matter what the circumstance no matter what the mood in their camp is they're always tough um you know costa rica is kind of a novelty fixture i think that you know the idea of spain playing against them is gonna be very interesting i mean obviously there's some historically relevant players like, you know, obviously Kaylor Navas, who's on the verge of joining Napoli from PSG. Similarly, Brian Ruiz, who was at Fulham maybe a decade or so ago, but, and also, you know, Brian Oviedo, who was formerly at Everton, but 
aside from those three, I, I really don't know much about the footballing culture of the country. So it's nice to see those kind of matchups because it's what the World Cup is all about. You know, I love seeing Spanish European teams facing off against African teams, African teams facing off against Latin American teams and the likes. So for that reason, I'm very excited about it. And, you know, obviously the Japanese national team are quite well known. They're some good players. They play attractive football. It's been a too much for them, for sure. Also, I think that too much for Costa Rica. But I think that, you know, that's going to give them a good bit of preparation for the rest of the tournament. And then, of course, in Germany, if somebody to really kind of measure themselves against in terms of one of the candidates to go and win the entire competition. So I think they'll be looking forward to it. They respect each game. They respect each opponent. Um, it's a nice kind of, you know, way of beginning the tournament for them. But I think they'll be going in there with confidence and ambition to top the group. And I don't see why they shouldn't be able to do that. Oh, wow. That's a big call. I also do see Spain um, topping the group. They're obviously, much like uh, with Spain, Germany, I feel, do have question marks over their forward line. It's going to be a very interesting battle. And, you know, we've covered um, the likes of Alvaro Morata. We've covered the likes of um, the Barcelona midfielders. And, you know, when it comes to the World Cup, Alan, I don't know if you share this uh, view, but I've always had a much more marked respect for defenders uh, during World Cups because I largely feel that the World Cup game, well, if we can call it that, is a bit more slow, a bit more build-up based, you know, sometimes based on the counter. And there's a lot of emphasis on the defense being a solid, tight unit. Um, and I look at the roster of, you know, Spanish center backs that are there, you know, for many, many, many years. It was a fit it, forget it, Sergio Ramos, Gerard Piquet. And obviously since then it's changed, you know, leaps and bounds, even with the fullbacks. So, you know, walk me through from a left back to right back to goalkeeper setup. What is the one that you, you as a fan, as a journalist, what is the one that you would like to see, you know, start at the World Cup? You know, if we just take it on current form, don't take it on, you know, injuries that might happen from now till later, just taking on current form. And uh, just any of the future listeners, we're here, um, you know, talking in mid-August about this. So subject might, um, uh, these opinions might be subject to change, but uh, that is football. Um, so, you know, just give me your starting back five. Well, I think Lucho will pick back five that will look like this. I think it would be Unai Simon and Goa for sure. He's been his goalkeeper pretty much ever since he came in. And then a club goalkeeper. He's a good goalkeeper. He's not a great goalkeeper. He's good with his feet, good shot stopper. He's good character. He's young. He's time to improve. He's undoubtedly Luis Enrique's number one goalkeeper. Also in the squad would probably be Robert Sanchez of Brighton and maybe David Raya of Brentford as well. And we're both good keep. I mean, David De Gea probably won't be in the squad, I don't think. He's not a goalkeeper that... Nor he, does he deserve to be. And I say this as a Man United fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be you and I goal. I think it'll probably be Cesar as Piliquera right back. I think Ooh, he values his, um, his experience. Obviously, he's the Champions League winning captain at Chelsea. Very close to Barcelona this summer, only for the move to fall through because of, you know, Barcelona stealing everybody from Chelsea, it seems, and they wanted to keep somebody. <laughs> Uh, and actually, back. one of the few people with um, World Cup experience with Spain, not that's that can't really be said of the rest of the squad. Yeah, it's quite a young squad, otherwise. Isn't it? 
The left back, I would assume, would be Jordi Alba who starts. He seems to be the preferred option. Jose Gaia is obviously a very good option too, but I think that when push comes to shove, naming a starting left back, it would be Jordi he'll go for. Um, I think he's a better player. And then the centre backs, this is an interesting one because there's one guaranteed starter that's Imeric Laporte. He's the best centre back Spain has available right now. Um, but the position next to him is up for grabs. Yes, Spain have right now. I was very surprised when um, at the 11th hour, he finally said, you know, I've waited for France this long. Spain has a centre-back um, shortage. I'm going to be... <laughs> it was just, he was just there. He hadn't played qualifying with the Spanish national team and then yeah. he is starting. So, you know, yeah, he's totally that good, that. you know, and for whatever reason, Didi Deschamps has never selected for France, even though he's more French than Spanish, but he's happy now to be with the Spanish national team. So I think he'll start and I think I'm going to make a bit of a hot take call here. I think Sergio Ramos is going to come back and start beside him. That's what I think. I think Sergio oh, is so this is the left foot is why we got left you. Foot center back. I don't like him too left better. Pau Torres is good, but he can be very weak. Um, Inigo Martinez is good too, but he's a left footer. I think that if Sergio was fit, and he seems to be fit. He started the season well for PSG. He started the season like a demon in terms of where he's approached everything. I think that he could definitely be within a shout of starting next to America Laporte because if he's in form and if he's fit, oh, then he's man. still probably if, one of the best center backs Spain have at their disposal. So that's a controversial one. I mean, I, I, I would take an injured Sergio Ramos over Felipe <laughs> Eric Garcia. Let's let's keep it at that. I don't want to... I, I mean, Eric Garcia, I'm sure he's a lovely person. I don't want to see him anywhere near the starting lineup. Um, but that's a great hot take because, you know, when he was saying hot takes, my mind went to another former Real Madrid um, centre-back. And he, he's a player like Murat Avery, soft spot for. He's obviously, you know, a, a veteran of the game. But that was Raul Albiol. Um, I think he's what he's done at Villarreal, especially with the younger uh, Pau Torres, is he's he's been that you know you go up in front, I'll handle this, uh, I'll handle the position, I'll protect the keeper. Um, you know, obviously mobility wise is limited, doesn't have that much experience, but uh, Raúl Albiol is someone who had always had a soft spot for. But uh, you know, this Sergio Ramos call, I back it, I back it, I like it. If he's fit, there is no one else. He is he's the warrior. He is a he's a winner, proven winner, proven leader. I love it. Sergio Ramos, let's let's get him back. Luis Enrique, I know you I know you're listening to this. Bring him back. <laughs> but that that sort of um comes to where I want to sort of end this with you, Alan, is we have this tight group. Um don't know the full bracket yet. How, if everybody is fit and if we get uh, Sergio Ramos back, do you see the Spanish team getting to the final four finals or even winning this? I want your hot take. Yeah, they have every chance. I mean, I think personally, Argentina are my pick to win this. I think, I think it would be either Argentina or Brazil who win the competition. But I think that Spain have every chance, basically. I think, you know, Spain are one of the teams who I would, I would basically say that you have Argentina and Brazil who I think are the two strongest teams and in the strongest moments with the best chance of winning. But then you also have, you know, France, England, and Spain. I think those five are the favorites, in my opinion. And I can't see beyond them in terms of a winner. I think Spain have every chance of winning it, but I think that Argentina, for the moment Lionel Messi is in, for the moment the rest of the team are in winning the Copa America last summer, 
and um, winning the finalissima against Italy in Wembley this summer. The kind of the vibe in that camp, the way Messi started the season with PSG. Similarly, Brazil, you know, it's a very, very strong, confident, competent team. Obviously, you know, winning the Copa America the year before last, dominating, coming ball qualifying. Like I was in Brazil last year and for a lot of the time, and everybody there is quite confident, quite bullish about the team. It's probably Neymar's last World Cup. Coupled with the likes of, you know, Gabriel Jesus, Hicharlison, Hafinha, Vicius Jr., Rodrigo Goes, you know, Casemiro, there's Lucas Paqueta, there's a lot of options there. So, and then in Tiche, they have one of the best coaches again in international football. And it's his last tournament too. So I would say Brazil and Argentina are my picks, but I think Spain have every chance again to the final winning. That's that's what I like to hear. I think uh, the Spanish Armada is slowly building up its fleet. Whether or not they will uh, be victorious in the Middle East is yet to be seen. Uh, well, thank you so much for um, all of this great insight, Alan, especially with the hot takes. Um, I feel that that's where we really sort of uh, have our differentiating marker at the road to Qatar. Um, you can uh, catch uh, Alan uh, at um, Football España. Um, his Twitter is also uh, A-Z-U-L-F-E-E-H-E-L-Y. That, once again, that's A-Z-U-L-F-E-E-H-E-L-Y. Um, I'm sure he'd appreciate the follow. I'm sure we'd appreciate the follow as well at BTLVid on Twitter. Um, any more plugs you want to give here, Alan? Anything you're working on? Anything you're excited nope. to share? Seems have covered it pretty well there. I guess, you know, La Liga is just beginning. Barcelona getting underway this evening as Real Vallecano. So you can follow us on Twitter and on our website too to follow all the coverage of that over the course of the season as well as the build-up to the World Cup. Alrighty, that's it from us here. Thank you, Alan. Keep following uh, Breaking uh, the Lines um, on Spotify as well as Twitter and the website. We will be having a slew of World Cup-related content coming to you in the next couple of months. Till then, we shall see you in the next episode where we take a look at the Giants of France. Thank you. Just in one second, I'm going to...